Good afternoon or morning or whenever you are listening in. This is going off season. I'm Luca Catalano. He's Alex Catalano. We're going off. We're going off season this weekend. There's uh, been plenty of news over the past. There has been. It's been been four days or so since we... It's been a very busy weekend for us if we Mm. did anything um, apart from like just regurgitating the news over the last couple of days and fed it back to people. Mm-hmm. But it, it's a lot for us to say, actually. I feel like for the first couple episodes, there was a lot of speculation on our part. There was a lot of sort of projecting and there was a lot of sort of discussion that borderlined on filibuster. But I feel like this episode, we are going to actually be pressed for time when it comes to reporting on what's been happening. Yeah. Um, I am just going to quickly run through the free agency moves that have been done so far because the free agency period is alive and well. And there's a few guys that have already... Yes, it started on on Friday. So a few guys have already already made their way. Zach Williams has signed with the Blues. Joe Danaher has signed with the Lions. Rory Atkins has signed with the Suns. Um, I believe that's all. Oh, and Isaac Smith has signed with the Cats as well. Um, so those are the moves that have been made so far. Uh, the Giants have matched uh, the Cats' offer for Jeremy Cameron. So they're going to have to get a trade done. Uh, and Aiden Core has also made his way to North Melbourne. Um, despite the late, the late hard charge from the Hawks, as we heard yeah, in no I was uncertain about to terms. say, there is not a lot to discuss when it does come to the free agency period, mm-hmm. and not just because Isaac Smith is dead to me, but <laughs> we don't usually get unsuccessful, really eager late bids for mm-hmm. players, especially of Aiden Core's ilk. Yeah. It's no slight on Core, but he's not exactly... He doesn't exactly hold the same profile as Dylan Shield when Essendon mm-hmm. swooped in and sort of took him from under Carlton, I think was the front runner at that point for Shield. Yeah, before, yeah when um, they flew him out in a private jet to uh, convince him, apparently. Before the um, infamous Dyson Heppel brunch, which is apparently <laughs> all it takes these days. No, <laughs> no private jet is actually required. So Clarko reportedly called Core himself mm-hmm. and this has incredible implications because not only is core not exactly what you would call an a-grade commodity mm-hmm. but hawthorne had already secured the services of carl hardigan who's 28 yeah and i believe sorry i'm just i'm just making myself a chai latte it's okay it's noise. okay um also, Hardigan, 28, and I believe Core is at least 26. Uh, yes. Which, which makes it interesting that the late bid and telling from the call from the coach himself, a desperate bid from Hawthorne, mm. begs the question, are Hawthorne actually rebuilding? Well, that kind of move does sound like a, uh, yeah, a reloading kind of... Exactly. It's interesting when you compare, yeah, the Smith to Core sort of, like, obviously letting uh, Smith go 
would probably indicate that you are looking to blood a young kid on the wing, probably a Finn McGuinness or a Will Day for a more permanent spot. Um, Dylan Moore played um, his last game of the season on that wing, mm-hmm. usually a small forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'd think, one, it's almost like they're... <laughs> Clark is sort of saying we'll rebuild unless we don't have to. It's almost like a, he's got the break, break glass in case of emergency player like Aiden Core who does fit into that mould of, you know, maybe a, a fringe guy at his, at his former club that Clarkson can see something in him. Um, and I guess if that failed, then they're still in rebuild mode for now. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Hawks do try and do another late bid. Um, I, I could even see uh, a late bid for Cameron happening, honestly, if, uh, if the Giants and the Cats negotiations go on for too long. And considering that Hawthorne has that pick four, it doesn't seem something that Hawthorne wouldn't do because Hawthorne Mm. have been notoriously shrewd negotiators and demanders and operators throughout trade period under Graham Wright and Alistair Clarkson. But Clarkson has also shown a particular timidness around high-priority draft picks, Mm -hmm. barring the sort of acquisitions of Buddy, Ruffy and Lewis. Yeah and been quite adamant on n- not never fully rebuilding. Mm-hmm. While I think this will be a season where we aim for, even if we do trade in some players, we'll be trading in younger players than usual. Yeah. I think that um, it is my belief that Hawthorne's intention is to reload. Mm-hmm. I think if you ignore the sort of, if you ignore the noise that Clarkson made about rebuilding and hitting the draft and blood and young players mm-hmm. after the terrible um, sort of losing streak they went on after uh, the COVID break, yeah, a lot of the um, a lot of the talk around Hawthorne and around Clarko's uh, extension of his contract and Jeff Kennett speaking on that very much so. Uh, gave everybody the impression that the board expects another push for silverware Mm -hmm. before Alistair Clarkson's contract is up, which is at the end of 2022. So right now, I am under the belief that um, also on the sort of Hawk Talk trade podcast with Mark McGowan and Graham Wright, Graham Wright gave the listener the an indication that none of the outward-going Hawks media gave the fans throughout the year, which was that we were underperforming like West Coast, largely due to being in the hub life. Uh And it made me think that our staff... And the directors of uh, on, on on the board and in the football club rate this list to make a push for finals next or the year after. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm expecting aggressive trading for younger to mid-aged players from Hawthorne. Yeah, I don't think it's too out there to say that. Yeah, the Hawks were one of the teams most affected by the travel and all that. 
obviously round one we saw uh, how well they did against the Lions and, you know, even guys like individually, guys like Chad Wingard really dropped off later into the year. Um, most of the older players, I would say, looked really impacted by it. Um, so I think... I still think it's very flexible and very, like... It'll be very flexible and very adaptive what Clarko does from here to the end of the trade period and even the draft. Um, I think it's going to depend a lot on what goes on adjacent to the Hawks and adjacent to the Hawks' needs um, over the next few weeks. Yeah, it's going to depend entirely on opportunity, but Mm -hmm. given the um, build-up to this draft period and the amount of serviceable and quality players that seemed like they're going to be dislodged from their current commitments yeah. um, makes it seem like there's going to be multiple domino effects where there are lots of opportunities for a club like Hawthorne, which is sort of in a rebuild um, slash premiership window limbo to flip on a dime and go mm. the other way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's move on to the cats. And we talked about the Burton bubble in big detail last episode. There's a guy who you believe from the Cats who could be looking like he's being forced into that bubble. Interestingly enough, Sam Menangola, a career best season by all reports. I think it's very... I think the consensus of the entire AFL community is that him and Guthrie were huge improvers and the main reason why they got to the grand final this year after Mm -hmm. years and years of failing in semi and preliminary finals. um, Suddenly they're in a grand final with one of the oldest teams they've fielded. And I think I'm not alone when I say, I I believe it was on the back of Menangola and Guthrie's sort of jump from a grader to elite. And suddenly Menangola is on the outer with the looming acquisition of Higgins and the recent acquisition of Smith, who are going to go right into that midfield and you know, Jack Stevens was acquired last year, mm-hmm. at the end of the year before, rather, and didn't get to play much this year due to poor fitness. But they must rate him to be fit and come back on the team and force Sam Menangola out after a career-best season. So, incredibly interesting addition to the Burton bubble. Not something that I would want to see if I was a Cats fan, mm-hmm. but if I was a Cats fan, fuck... Um, I'd probably have faith in Stephen Wells at this point. Yeah. Um, I even said to you, and we talked about it uh, the other day, that they could be pushing Menegola up to a more half-forward sort of role. We know he's a great um, he's a great shot for goal, so I don't think putting him in the forward line would detract too much. He puts pressure on. He's good defensively. Uh, so he could see a role change. But, yeah, if he gets pushed out of that wing role, I would think... Uh, he'd be saying, well, I'm a best 22 player at any other club in the league and I could pretty much demand whatever I wanted at this point. It's funny that you say that because I've heard that it, he he hasn't exactly been pushed into the Burton bubble. Mm-hmm. It's sort of been a mutual lateral movement into that sort of trade table uh-huh. due to the fact that him and his manager are asking Geelong for four years. He is 28 uh, and a player that plays his sort of position and a player of his skill and athleticism, it's not beyond um, the realm of possibilities that he could be a best 22 player when he is 32. Mm -hmm. 
but the cats aren't going to give him four years at this point. It's but interesting. We're seeing for. we're seeing this out of a lot of clubs, um, especially finals contenders, really reluctant to go for longevity for these deals. Um, it even took us took uh, Essendon a while to negotiate even a four year deal for Jordan Ridley, who's one of the you know up and coming stars of the competition. Um, it does make me wonder why clubs are so reluctant. I know there's the aspect of the CBA is supposed to be getting uh, re- renewed and renegotiated at the end of 2022, which could change a lot salary-wise for a lot of teams. Um, but Geelong, you'd think, given their acquisitions over the past few years, would be a team that clearly manages to balance their salary cap pretty well. So I don't know if it would be too much of a concern. I think in Geelong's uh, interest, it, it lies purely in flexibility. The short-term mm. deals work well for them because it seems like um, Damian Barrett, uh, just like a, a broken clock is right two times a day, Damian Barrett <laughs> said something intelligent and he compared uh, Geelong's list management in the last two years mm. to uh, NBA teams yep. collecting pieces to win now with mm. very little regard to future list sustainability, growth and development yeah. based on bringing in experienced players who can help them win silverware in the next literally 24 months tops mm-hmm. on very short-term deals. So after, you know, the success or the falling short, they can very quickly pivot to a sort of soft rebuild. Yeah. And I think that's what's happening here with the Cats. And I think that's why we're going to see Menengola move to probably most likely a team that fancies themselves in the top four next year. Mm-hmm. So I think he would be a really good fit for the demons. Yep. And ironically the Hawks, because he mm-hmm. is an Xbox Hill uh, product yep. and being a, um, and he was previously listed on Fremantle's rookie list. And I think Fremantle are one of these teams that I think can pivot very quickly based on their form at the end of last year from Mm. rebuilding into contending if they are able to bring the right pieces in. And Sam Menengola playing on the wing for them, a probably the position that they have the highest deficit in talent-wise, the Dockers, I think that that could be a really shrewd move if Longmuir wants to push into the top eight as soon as next year. Yeah, and if it's a, it's if it's an agreed and mutual move uh, from Menegola and the Cats, uh, I think they wouldn't demand too much out of Frio, uh, even though he is obviously worth a decent pick. I would say at this point, Menegola maybe a late first rounder, if not, you know, something along there. But I think I think the Cats would be pretty willing to give him up for not too much if they are moving ahead with this sort of plan, like you're saying. I would say I, I can see him leaving for a um, an early third rounder and a late second rounder. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, yeah, it's certainly possible. Um, other news out of the Cats, there's a few guys who are on the outer, and we've spoken briefly about them, um, but the Jordan Clark noise, speaking of WA, is well and truly on at the And also moment. speaking of Fremantle, Fremantle are asking... Mm. Fremantle and uh, Fremantle and Geelong have been in a bit of a stalemate for a couple of years because two years ago Geelong came very hard at Sean Darcy, mm-hmm. and Fremantle said, "Fuck no, <laughs> we know he's a falcon, and you guys love hoarding those players, but yeah. you are not fucking touching 
um, our ruck dog. <laughs> and I can imagine Geelong also would have asked the question of Adam Chera when Chera was sort of in a bit of a limbo last year. Mm-hmm. And it seems like this time it's Fremantle asking for Geelong's uh, talented youngster in Jordan Clark. Yeah. And the Jordan Clark noise appeared and was sort of, and, and, and the media was sort of led to believe that that was a bit fabricated, mm-hmm. but it's not going away. And it is the no smoke without fire point of the year. So speaking of a player joining the Burton bubble, I am placing Jordan Clark firmly in the redraft as well as Jaden Stevenson. Mm-hmm. Stevenson is a very interesting case who this year hasn't been able to really crack into that Collingwood team despite some of their issues forward and uh, scoring. So you'd think at this point, if Stevenson can't get a game, the Pies are actively shopping him around. He's got to be at a, uh, at a different club next year. He's got to be at a different club next year and it has to be a club that uh, backs their culture in to reform Stevenson because... Mm-hmm. it's no secret to anybody that the reason why he couldn't break into the best 22 at Collingwood is because he kept fucking up off the field. Mm-hmm. And my gut feeling tells me that there was some slip ups that he made in the hub mm-hmm. that possibly weren't publicized, yeah. weren't reported on and Collingwood only in the club was aware of. Mm-hmm. I can Something's telling me that that's the reason why he wasn't getting a game. And that's the reason why uh, their future is um, currently being shoved around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, they've probably learned this year, especially after the sort of rise of Nick Dacos, the Brown brothers uh, and Ty- Tyler and Callum Brown mm-hmm. and um, Isaac Quainall that uh, absolutely they have a core nucleus of young players mm-hmm. that absolutely does not need Stevenson to become a good team in the next five, six years. They also have um, some high, some really talented... Uh, I was going to say, Bianco and Rantel both also Rantel. waiting in the wings there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Who would be w- would be getting games in the place of... I can see uh, Bianco getting games in place of Phillips... Uh, or Maine. If Maine plays less games next year, Phillips gets moved on to WA. Yep. Yeah. So, so they've got options. And, and and it's funny that the Stevenson um, <clears throat> that the Stevenson news is coming out because it seems like last year we had a ruck merry-go-round, mm-hmm. and it seems like this year there might be a small forward merry-go-round because the dislodging of Stevenson from Collingwood. And as well as the recent news that Jack Higgins is actually going to request a trade mm-hmm. is going, in my opinion, is going to create a bit of a vacuum in some teams, small forward lines that they're going to want to fill up and it will sort of bounce around. Yeah. Um, I believe Higgins is going to St. Kilda. Mm-hmm. And if that happens, I believe Jack Loney is going to request a trade. Yeah. And I don't think it will be to the Bulldogs because the Bulldogs pursued a Loney pretty keenly last year and nothing happened so mm-hmm. i don't think that loney wants to go to the bulldogs i think that uh loney will find himself either at carlton or hawthorne next year 
That is if Higgins um, requests a trade to St. Kilda. And I can also see uh, Brendan Matera and Riley Knight be picked up as delisted free agents if any of these teams that lose a small forward or currently don't have the small forward stocks that they would like Mm -hmm. and weren't able to fill that vacuum. I think um, Brandon Matera specifically really reminds me of how uh, Matthew Wright came to Carlton where he was sort of, you know, approaching the twilight of his career, getting to that, you know, 28, 29, um, but still had more to give and in the right team could definitely give uh, more. So I think Matera will get picked up by, yeah, as you said, anyone who does have that vacuum, um, like West Coast, definitely see. Yeah. West Coast are, however, also um, Zach Langdon is set to, mm. has, I think he's formally requested a trade to the Eagles yes, already. Yes, he has. Yeah. So that's another small forward that is mm-hmm. going to be flying across the country, moving teams, but also leaving a small forward vacuum. Yeah. The Giants, if anything, I think would suffer the least from the vacuum because they've got guys who have already proven themselves as smalls, especially young guys, Brent Daniels, Bobby Hill, um, and Toby Green obviously is always going to be in that forward line too. So I don't think really if anyone has... small forwards than that. Yeah, if anyone has if a... If anything, you pick up Riley Knight as a delisted free agent for mm. purely for depth. Mm. I've always thought the Giants have been a bit lacking in that medium uh, forward, sort of high-pressure half-forward kind of role. And even the guys that have come through now, like at the end of last year, Jake Riccardi and Jack Buckley are on the taller end. We know Buckley's a bit more athletic and Riccardi's a great mark and great aerial beast, but I think they could do with a bit more pressure in the forward line. So Knight would not be a bad shout at all. Definitely. Um, other guys from the Cats that we haven't touched on, or we have touched on, but Fogarty, Constable, Narkle, what are you seeing with their uh, possible futures? So these are all players that are absolutely in the... Um the redraft, Mm -hmm. but with Jordan Clark's departure, um, gaining traction, one of these young guys will stay. Mm -hmm. All of them leaving doesn't make sense, especially for depth wise, because, um, the log jam is, is that there are four of these players Mm -hmm. who are sort of fighting over one or two or three spots that are currently being filled up by older players. Yeah. Just because four of them can't be there doesn't mean one of them can't. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's going to be Lockie Fogarty. I yeah. mean, Lockie Fogarty is not far, but definitely behind Constable, Narkel, and Clark when it comes to development. Mm-hmm. So I think he is going to feel the least sort of... The least antsy about not getting senior games, essentially. Yeah. yeah. There's always going to be, I think, a couple of guys who... And you see it at the Tigers as well. A few guys who are comfortable to wait it out and realise that there will be a spot or two available in that midfield, even though it is, you know, lined with uh, star talent. I think at Richmond, a guy like Riley Collier-Dawkins is falling into that bracket where it looks like he's comfortable to, you know, wait for a guy like Trent Cochin to... Uh, retire in maybe a couple of years and to get in there. And I think, yeah, as you say, Fogarty will be that player. Constable, obviously, we know has been exploring his options. Um, Narkle, too. Uh, I, I see him as a bit more valuable to the Cats than Constable. 
And I could see them making a bigger effort to keep him. For sure. I think those three will undoubtedly be offered to the Giants, though. Mm. I would like to see the Cats offer Jordan Clark to the Giants because I think Jordan Clark is a player that the Giants would consider playing on their best 22, considering Mm. the departure of Heath Shaw. Yeah. And a sort of... There's already sort of like a young core of general and key and small defenders at the Giants Mm -hmm. with... Lockie Ash and Isaac Cumming and Sam Taylor and I'm forgetting someone. Yeah. Um, yeah. It would be a very interesting uh, look in the back line for the Giants, I think. It would almost be Haynes and the the kid brigade at that point if Clark makes his way over there, which I think if the Giants are looking to maybe rebuild a bit, uh, that probably wouldn't be the worst because those guys, as we said, we said a million times before, you want that backline playing together as a group for as long as possible. If they can get exactly. that young group together now, when guys like Clark are available um, on the open market, I could see that being a real plus for the Giants. For sure, um, and I, I, I don't think JWS will be as um, convinced by Narkel and Constable. Mm-hmm. No slide on Knuckle and Constable, but those are just players that I believe the Giants can cover very easily with the talent they already have. Yeah. Knuckle, on the other hand, I think would fit perfectly with a team like North Melbourne. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think that Knuckle would play 22, however many fuck. Do you know if we're playing 22 games next season in the home and away? Uh, I hope so. I certainly hope so. The AFL well, still doesn't know, I don't even think. I don't think so, no. But hope, like, if it is possible to play 22 home and away games next season, mm-hmm. I think Narkel would be able to cop that if he stayed fit at North Melbourne. Yeah, definitely. But so far in the off-season, it has been all about two clubs. And we've talked about the Cats to death, mm-hmm. and I'm frankly sick of it. <laughs> and unfortunately, the other team that we have to talk about is Essendon, which I only dislike talking about slightly less. <laughs> well, the news just doesn't stop coming uh, out of the Bombers. So if it's there, well, as I say, if there's smoke, that's fire. A um, couple of interest uh, out of the Saints to the Bombers. Seb Ross has been given a tour of the facilities and Nick Hind as well, we've indicated that we would be interested in trying to bring him back to the Bombers. Obviously, he's a Don's VFL uh, man, played there for the good part of three or four years before he got drafted as a mature age pick by the Saints. So if there's any team that he would uh, look to go to Hind, it would be the Dons, I would think. Um, I, I, I think I think Hind to the Dons, as soon as I heard it, um, there wasn't much doubt in my mind that it would happen. I think mm. Hind probably has a relationship with the majority of the players at Essendon. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think with the departure of McKenna and Saad, there is a spot for him in the best 22 waiting. Mm-hmm. And uh, with the acquisitions that St. Kilda are going to be making and the fitness of the returning Jade Gresham, I think that Hind will sort of say, look, um, I can go into a familiar territory mm-hmm. where I'm offered more opportunities. So yep. I'm going to go ahead and fucking do that. So I would lock Hind in. And mm-hmm. uh, Seb Ross, on the other hand, mm. I see is purely Dunkley insurance. Well, I don't know about that. Uh, given no. that recently the Suns have said that they're not looking to trade Will Brody at all, it makes me think he might be Will Brody insurance instead. Uh, I think 
that we were always never, I think we were never eyeing off both Dunkley and Ross to get together. I don't think there's any future where that uh, would have happened. I think it was more like we had our eyes on all these, uh, all these inside mids, you know, there's the, the three big ones there. Well, the two big ones are Ross and Dunkley and then uh, Brody as the more uh, opportunity starved young guy. Um, but I think Ross would be a player who would play probably what we were expecting of Brody. Uh, we know he's, we know he's good inside. We know he's a, a big body in there. Um, so I well, think, I, I think, I think that Ross, to me, Ross seemed like Dunkley insurance purely because at what point do you have too many cooks in the kitchen? Mm, but mm. I think Ross is more important to play off Essendon to acquire than Dunkley because yes. You the, the the Essendon Bombers have not had a genuine inside midfielder, not a disposal accumulator, not a you know raking kick, mm-hmm. not a burst from the stoppage, you know, inside fifty kicker, but yeah. somebody who gets fucking clearances and stops the other team from getting easy clearances, and there hasn't been a player that is exactly that template at Tullamarine since Brent Stanton, which it's seems true. like fucking million years ago. Like that's a, in football, I, I think that's a crazy amount of time. It is, it is, especially for one of the uh, most core parts of the modern game is the, the modern game. midfielder. Not even um, the modern game, just the game, a Ruck Rover. Imagine not yeah. having a Ruck Rover for that fucking long. <laughs> Imagine if, yeah, uh, Lee Matthews was there for the taking and no one picked him up. Yeah. Just uh, wouldn't, wouldn't, have, wouldn't have been it, wouldn't have happened. Um, yeah, I, I am curious to see who of all these targets, because there's so much interest at, for Essendon at the moment. It seems like everyone who's even a slight possibility of leaving has been either inquired or reported about. Uh, and I don't know if it's just the, um, you know, media frenzy. Everyone loves, the, they love to report on the bombers. Uh, it always has been that way for the past decade, I would say. Um, whether we get all these guys, I don't think we have enough currency to land all these guys that we're interested in. But Ross and Hind, I would see at this point, with Brody off the table, um, with us likely getting high picks for Saad and Danaher, I would say these guys should be more of a priority than maybe some of the others that we've looked into. It's it's funny that it's funny that you bring up the the sort of um, the. The, the sort of question of what are the odds we get all of them? Mm. Because I believe Caldwell is locked in. That's 100% happening. Yeah, he's already requested a, a trade. He's already requested a trade, but I think that terms have more or less been agreed upon and it'll mm-hmm. be one of the first trades to go through. Yeah, that'll be the Wednesday think, morning, 10 a.m. first headline. And I think Nick Hind makes a lot of sense. One of the ones that are in limbo, our very good friend and a, um avid listener of Going Off Season... Tom Brown has actually <laughs> broken some broken some news. I'm doing air quotes for listeners. Yeah. Um, about a possible Essendon trade period. Alex, could you get up the Twitter feed of Tom Brown for me, real quick? I can. I can. You know, it's funny you say that. I haven't heard from uh, from Tom in a few days, so it'll be nice to nice to hear nice to hear some good news out of his mouth. It's good to get his voice in here. I think he offers a. Uh, a real needed element of variety to the podcast. 
Okay, so so here he's he's got some thoughts about Josh Dunkley. Um, yeah, and Adam, I'd like you to read the tweet out verbatim. Uh, re, re Essendon slash Dunkley. I'm getting renewed indications it will happen for a first round pick. I'm not willing to second guess the dogs. They seem steadfast it's not on. But I've, I've spelt without a capital I or an apostrophe, been told again Dunkley wants to go and has told the dogs, including the coach. Uh, and I'd like to read also one of his replies on this thread as well. Uh, replying to Matthew Saliba, who says, what are the pies doing, Tom, besides putting half the team on the market and pissing off the members with the treatment of Trelaw? This is what Tom has to say. Trelaw has given the pies an excuse to get rid of his money. Like most human beings, most human beings, (laughs) I'd miss my wife a lot after two or three weeks. The idea of your partner and baby can ship off for 10 months, full stop, and it not affect you, full stop. It's a little bit silly, full stop. Okay, first of all, as if Tom Brown is like pretending that he's human. I think, dude, I think this just further confirms that he might have some alien DNA. We know DNA. you're a fucking lizard, bro. We know you're a lizard. Don't. <laughs> we know you live in the sewers, Tom. You probably have like a PhD of Lizard University of like human behavior, <laughs> but it's not the same as like actual empathy. So, fuck Tom Brown for being a Collingwood sympathizer when it comes to the way that they're shitting around Adam Trelaw. Uh huh. As we said last week, the commentary around that is so fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. If his wife signed a contract, it obviously would have been discussed with him. He's obviously okay with it. Mm-hmm. He's an adult who has a family, and these decisions are made between them. It is not fucking Tom Brown or Eddie Maguire or whoever the fuck's place to say, no, I don't think you're, I don't think that's good for you. Like, shut up. We could go on all day about it again, but we won't. Let's get back to the Bombers. Let's talk about some picks here. Uh, There's a lot of, lot of uh, wind going around about the Bombers looking to trade up to the realms of pick two. Keen interest in Logan McDonald from uh, the, the list management department. Um, and we, I think we want to slot him into that key forward role pretty quickly. Uh, obviously, it will, th- those picks around there will be decided by quite a few things. One of those things mainly being if the Brad Crouch compensation does end up as pick two, which will shift those picks down and probably give the Crows a bit more to play with uh, when it comes to the draft. Yeah, so um, the, the the space of thinking of Essendon right now is Logan McDonald's at the top of their list mm-hmm. because they think that he's going to be ready to play 22 games as soon as next season. Yeah. And they believe that Adelaide's number one pick in failing to get Jamara Hagen, they will select Riley Philthorpe. Mm-hmm. Um, Riley Philthorpe is can, is in the echelon of Jamara Hagen and Logan McDonald. Jesus, sorry. That's all right. It's just like... It happens. On, it happens. Um, but the, what, what they are assuming will have Adelaide prioritise Philthorpe over McDonald is purely the fact that Philthorpe is a South Australian and Logan McDonald is not. Mm-hmm. And um, for that reason, they think that 
whoever ends up holding pick two, whether that be North Melbourne or Adelaide, they can coerce into trading down for um, two of Essendon's first round picks. Mm-hmm. Essendon already has two first round picks in pick six and seven. Uh, six, which is the one that they earned by being terrible. And seven, um, the one that they earned by all of their players wanting to leave. I was going to say by the medical department being terrible. Um, yeah, yes. exactly. And uh, uh, the pick that they, they could get for their culture being terrible is um, pick eight. Uh-huh. And the, um, the old mate Tom reporting that the Western Bulldogs will want a first round pick for Dunkley suggests that all of picks six, seven, and eight will be dealt out by the Bombers after receiving them, mm-hmm. which is dealing out a first round pick, just one of them is a fucking nightmare because dealing out a first round pick relies so heavily on what one list manager values the pick at mm-hmm. and what they value the players that will probably be available at that pick at. Yeah. This is why some of these draft, this is why some of the deals that involve the highest draft picks take so fucking long because mm. the higher the draft pick is basically the higher the margin is for, um, you know, when opinion, you think one thing, another guy think the other, you know? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So basically, I think that dealing... Th- Aiming to deal three top 10 picks is going to be a fucking nightmare. And I, I think either Logan McDonald's not going to happen or mm-hmm. Dunkley's not going to happen. If they both happen, I will print out an A5 picture of Adrian Dodaro and eat it. All right, lock it in. That's, that's, that's out there. Every, everyone's heard that now. <laughs> everyone's heard that. Okay, not... Wait, is A5 smaller? Yeah, A5 is smaller. That's yes, small. it is smaller. Um, I'm going to say that the, the, how quickly we got the Danaher deal done does make me think that we are aiming to wheel and deal these picks because we need them locked in as early as possible. Uh, like you said, with what a nightmare it could be to get these negotiations done as quickly as possible. Um, yeah. Obviously, all this stuff with bids and picks being moved down will have an impact on other teams picks as well, namely the Hawks I know you believe will be aiming to move that pick four on and not even have to worry about all the drama in that little area Yeah, I think that um, uh, our pick four is going to end up outside of the, um, the Fab Five mm-hmm. So, I, I, in, in my opinion, the five best players uh, of this draft are on a different level to the rest of the players mm-hmm. and um, having a pick that will land inside that top five uh, changes the value immensely of a top 10 pick being outside of it. And if uh, the Adelaide, if Adelaide bids on Jamar Hagen and the Bulldogs are able to take it, and there is also a compensation pick for Brad Crouch, that means that Hawks pick four will be pushed to pick six, pushing them out of this, you know, fab five area. Mm -hmm. The next player that will pick it up will almost certain, certainly be Will Phillips. So barring a Hawthorne plan specifically for Will Phillips, which I can't really see, but I sort of can, but I sort of can't, I think it's much more likely 
that they are going to trade down, possibly get two picks later in the first round mm-hmm. and go after guys who will sort of bring something into the midfield or something into their key position stocks or maybe even a Ruckman. So yeah. I think Henry Walsh, Nick Cox, Zane True, Nathan O'Driscoll, all of these guys um, could fall to the late, of the, fir- the late first round. And mm-hmm. I think all of them would be incredibly welcome additions at the Hawks. Yeah. Um, that is not to say that we take those late first round picks and we don't trade them. Mm-hmm. And knowing Hawthorne, that they're going to fucking get traded. In terms of uh, late first round picks, I know as well you were talking about uh, teams potentially putting in a bid for Lockie Jones earlier than he might be tipped to go. Also, by the way, just going to say, I've just seen a picture of Lockie Jones for the first time and you can't convince me that this is an 18-year-old or a 17-year-old child. Yeah, he looks fuck, like right? a 28-year-old man. And he plays like a 28-year-old man. He's been playing in the Sandville Seniors and he's been fucking shit up. Uh, I think... <laughs> Uh, Port Adelaide are getting away with fucking murder again. Uh, they're mm-hmm. going to get away with uh, murder again next year with Peter Burgoyne's uh, second oldest son. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the isn't the know, isn't the older Burgoyne still just sitting on their rookie list, just hanging out? He's still on their rookie list, but um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I think his name is Jace, like Jason yeah. Jace yeah. Burgoyne. Jace Burgoyne's going to be first round next year. That's almost locked in. That's like. Mm-hmm. It's that's Nick Dacos money. Um, yeah. He's up there. But um, the, the the Lockie Jones is interesting because he is definitely a bolter in 2020, and he's uh, he's found an advantage in his power rankings from Victoria not playing and the sort of under 18 uh, microscope being put over the sandfall and the waffle. Uh, but that's bad news for Port Adelaide. And I do think a bid will come earlier, but I don't think it's going to come too earlier. He's still going to go to Port. And um, I think the late first round, or the mid-first round, sorry, we're going to see, basically like we did a couple of years ago with um, one team bidding on like three players and then, you know, settling for a fourth. Mm-hmm. I think Reef McGuinness, Reef McInnes, Yes. Uh, Lockie Jones and Braden Campbell will all come in the same area. Mm-hmm. Uh, Braden Campbell recently at the New South Wales uh, Combine tested incredibly well alongside Errol Goulden, who's another um, Swans Academy player. And speaking of players that will get bid on mm-hmm. and the AFL Combine, in the Vic Country Combine, uh, the second NGA um, from the second NGA player from Essendon Bombers Next Generation Academy, Josh Eyre, came second in the testing for the two-kilometer time trial, the 20-meter sprint, and the left and right foot running vertical jump leaps. Mm-hmm. This is uh, particularly exciting because he's also 195 centimeters tall. Exactly. Imagine that. Imagine doing the run fast and jumping high and also being tall. <laughs> and also being big as hell. It's like that Lions guy who just went to Oxford. Some people are just born with it all, hey? <laughs> Some people just, just get lucky. Some and, people uh, are just road scholars and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> Josh, I don't think I, um, Josh is a road scholar. No, um, I think he might. That, that, puts, that puts Josh Eyre 
right up next to Cody Brand in this mm-hmm. sort of plays that Essendon are probably going to have to take in the national draft, but will 100% be out there on the draft day wanting to secure. Yeah. And I could definitely see Essendon trading every pick possible to get to number two to secure Logan McDonald and having a army of fucking fourth round picks to secure mm-hmm. the services when bids eventually come for Josh Aaron, Cody Brand. Yeah. It's looking uh, more and more like the Bombers are going to be in a decent spot come the draft somehow. Um... Look, I think any sane person who has an inkling of how to do their job can put a team in a good spot acquisitions-wise when mm-hmm. you have three elite players leaving the club. Yeah. It doesn't, I, doesn't take I, it I feel yet. like when the initial doom and gloom and sort of, you know, hate-mongering for Essendon that occurred when Saad and Danaher and Orazio Fantasia Fantasia um, made it apparent that they were, all three of them were leaving, I, I feel like the non-Bombers supporters saw this. We saw, mm-hmm. look, those are three good players. Yes, they're all leaving, but if you're not a fucking idiot, you'll get compensated fairly for them. And if you get compensated fairly for three very good players, you're going to have an incredibly strong hand. I don't think Essendon are, you know, going to be in the top four next year, but I think the list is going to be in a way healthier than it was with Danaher, Raz and Saad on the list. Mm -hmm. I think that's all we've got uh, for this episode. Ending we've, on a disappointingly positive note for the Essendon Football Club. <laughs> we've gone off season for another week. We've got plenty more to talk about. Free agency still uh, has to keep tracking on. Trade period starts on Wednesday. Lots of news. Plenty of news. I'm not going to lie. Next episode, I'm not talking about Essendon. <laughs> We're never talking about Essendon ever again. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for listening.